eyes. And they said, oh, okay, okay. Um, wow. We have celebrated this morning already, haven't we? Um, thank you to our worship team who comes here early and prepares and gets their heart right before God and, and offers up that sacrifice of praise and worship. And, um, uh, uh, but uh, please don't make the Sunday worship experience your worship time. We should be worshiping all throughout the week. It is an Old Testament principle to think that you have to go to the temple to worship. It is a New Testament principle to know that you can worship 24-7, no matter where you are or what, what kind of mood you're in or whether you feel like it or not. And so uh, that's because we live in a continuum of, of relationship. So anyway, a couple other things to share with you. Um, uh, I've been mentioning over the last number of weeks that uh, we are having a, a, uh, a spaghetti fundraiser dinner. And um, those plates, if you're not able to uh, uh, come back next service or, you know, because it is more of a lunch thing. But if you want to get some, uh, purchase some plates now, you can. Or if you just want to make a donation to the youth ministry, you can do that as well. And uh, after the uh, 10.30 service, uh, right about uh, 12.30, uh, we're going to have a uh, uh, kind of more of a formal meal. We'll, we'll have some tables out. And the reason we're doing that is we're also doing a memorial service for my mom. It's, a, it's not a funeral. It's a victory celebration. It's a celebration of her life. And um, uh, so we're looking forward to that. And we wanted to combine those things because... There's a number of things that were very, very dear to my mother's heart, and one is a real casual kickback atmosphere. She just absolutely loved that, and she loved food, especially being a hostess and serving others, and she loved teens and the youth group, and she especially loved ministering hospitality to them, and so um, we thought we'd combine all three, and uh, the fourth element of that is uh, there's a, a family reunion that we are having uh, here in Las Vegas, and I had about 25 of my closest relatives on my father's side, of course, because ain't nobody flying from Germany for no family reunion in Las Vegas, although they might come to Las Vegas. Yeah. But uh, uh, so we had a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful time, and man, it was loud and proud. <laughs> we had a good time. Anyway, they'll be here at, uh, at the 1030 service, and so... Uh, <clears throat> they're going to take up a whole section and make some noise. So uh, anyway, um, oh, if you're not, uh, have not been made aware of it, uh, Brother Doug Hanley, you know, Doug and Veronica are uh, church family, and he passed away last week, uh, early, early this, earlier this week, Monday night this, this week. Um, you know, Doug has been going through a lot of major, major health issues. And, uh, you know, the bottom line is that Monday night the Lord just took him home. That's, that's the bottom line. Uh, uh, seemingly, things were getting better health-wise for him, but, um, uh, you know, uh, not so. And, and so, um, uh, on July the 18th at 3.30 at Calvary Chapel, Meadow Mesa, they'll, they'll be doing a memorial service for him. So I wanted you, you to know that now so you could put it in your calendar if you knew Doug. And um, there are many, many lessons that come out of uh, his passing and, and it happening so quickly. And at an unexpected time for a guy that had so many health issues, you know, there are times where they thought he could go at any moment, and this was not one of those times. But uh, regardless of whether we're healthy or whether we're not or we're struggling with these things or not, you know, you do not know when that appointment is. You don't know. God knows. And so our responsibility is to be ready and to be prepared because it can happen at any moment. It can happen at any time. And so I uh, wanted you to, uh, to know that as well. Um, and with that, let's all stand and we'll get into God's word together. <clears throat> Amen. Father God, thank you for family. Thank you for church family. Thank you for the body of Christ. Thank you for the gifts of the Holy Spirit that are manifested through worship and through uh, even um, uh, uh, folks on the sound ministry, uh, uh, people preparing the sanctuary uh, to be a blessing for people as they even come through the doors. Thank you, O oh God, for... Um, uh, everything that you've already done in this place, and we ask, Lord, that you would continue to speak to us through your word. Lord, I confess um, that I have really nothing to offer. Uh, there's nothing of my wisdom that will create any kind of change whatsoever. And I know, oh God, that your words are the words of life, as, as Peter said, 
Jesus, when you looked at your disciples and said, are you going to leave too? And he says, where are we going to go? You have the words of life. And so, Lord, speak those words this morning. Encourage us, build us up, challenge us. We ask you to be with the Henley family as they are uh, going through that, that deep, deep grieving process. Uh, we pray for the children in particular, uh, uh, from the eldest even down to little Allie, who just turned five. God, that you would um, minister your love and your mercy and your grace uh, to that family in need. Um, so, God, we, um, we lift them up to you, and we thank you for this opportunity to gather together in your presence and to hear from you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Would you give someone a high five and have a seat, please? All right. <clears throat> Why did you come here this morning? <clears throat> Why did you come here this morning? Did you come to fellowship? I think I heard that. Did you come to check in with God? Is this, is, is this your way of, of, of doing a religious duty? Did you come to worship? Did you come to hear the word of the Lord? Did you come to give a word to someone if necessary? Did you come to pray for somebody? Did you come to uh, notice something on the floor and pick it up and throw it in the trash? Did you come to minister, to serve, to be ministered to, and to be served? And these two are still kissing, my goodness. It's just going to go on from... Uh, you know what, man? <laughs> I got to tell you, brother, if I, hadn't, if I had to wait three years for my wife, I wouldn't even be in church, bro. But that's another story. Y'all wouldn't see me for a few months. Like, what happened to Pastor Richie? I don't even know, man. He got married, and uh, I heard he moved to Nashville or something. We don't even know. So y'all go right ahead. <laughs> hey, it's a serious church. So let me talk about something very serious, the Supreme Court's decision on Friday, right? Yeah, collective awe and gasp. Um, Dr. Robert Jeffress said this, a collective shaking of our fists at God's face saying, we don't care what you say about life's most important relationship, we know best. While Friday's decision by, a Supreme, by the Supreme Court is tragic, it is ultimately irrelevant. Regardless of what the Supreme Court declares, uh, declared Friday, the judge of all the universe has already issued his decree, marriage should be reserved for one man and one woman, and there's no appealing that verdict, okay? Second Timothy chapter 3 uh, was the life journal reading for uh, Saturday, uh, the life journal, if you're following along in um, the life journal daily reading, it's a good thing to have a scheduled reading time. Uh, for those of you who like schedules, and it keeps you in the Word, and if you follow through it every day, you can get through the Word in a year, which is a good goal. This was the reading for Saturday, Second Timothy chapter 3. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times, for people will love only themselves and their money. Um, they will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. Uh, uh, Paul the Apostle was speaking about the last days. It, you may not be aware, if you're new, that we are living in what's called the last days. Um, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. Uh, they will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. I think that's a real big issue there, self-control and the lack of self-control. Uh, uh, they will be cruel and hate what is good, okay? They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. He goes on and he says this, um, uh, but you, Timothy, have carefully followed my doctrine, Manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch and Iconium at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Now, here's your answer, here's your response to what the Supreme Court said on Friday about marriage, legalizing, effectively legalizing marriage in all 50 states, regardless of even the states where the people had voted that they didn't want that. This is, what, this is your response to that. He says, yes, in verse 12, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ, Jesus, will suffer persecution. Verse 13, but evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, 
deceiving and being deceived. Okay? So we are not surprised by this because this is what the Lord has said would happen. And it will get worse. It will get worse. Okay? Now, that doesn't mean that we are uninvolved or have no part in it. Okay? Um, <clears throat> verse 14 says this. Um, but you must remain faithful. Everybody say, remain faithful. Faithful to the what? To the things that you've been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have been given, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting Christ Jesus. Okay? Verse 16, all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us what is right. I would also say that this, the Scripture also teaches us what's right or wrong in society. It doesn't matter what's popular. It doesn't matter what's popular because, for example, very, just, I just wanted to talk about this just for a second. If I am a, 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 a Muslim man and I come from uh, Mauritania or wherever, and I have four wives, and I come to America... And, and I understand that marriage is between two people. Uh, but I say, why is it between two people? Why can't marriage be between a man and three, three wives? After all, we're all consenting adults. They are all agreeing to this. Why does it have to be two people? And what is the argument that the Supreme Court or anybody else could make that that man is wrong? What would that be based on? Because if there are enough people who would say, that's right, we all agree, and you start a movement, and you, and you very articulately, and you very succinctly um, advertise it, and market it, and make it a civil rights issue. Not a matter of choice, make it a civil rights issue, and then you link yourself with people who have in the past been persecuted, black people, and then you say, we're just like black people. Listen, when you're black, you can't wake up in the morning and not be black. <laughs> It doesn't matter if you think you're black, as one woman thought she was, and turned out she wasn't. That's a whole other issue. It doesn't matter. It, it, you're not black. <laughs> you can think. Now, you can't wake up and not be black. You can't. Uh, however, a choice of a lifestyle is another issue. Uh, even if you were homosexual, but you chose to remain abstinent, you don't have to practice it. Uh, you, you can wake up in the morning and not be homosexual. You can't wake up in the morning and not be Native American. I mean, you can act like you're not, but anybody, you know, I mean, there's obvious indicators. You make it a civil rights issue and you get the public tide to turn with you and you make yourself a victim and pretty soon you're up in the Supreme Court and they're voting based on popular opinion. Okay? And that's how you get marriage between a man and four women. Or a woman and five men. Why not? Why would you? What, what justification would you have to change that? Anyway, so here's the issue. Verse 16. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Verse 17. God uses it to prepare and equip his people for every good work. Church. Uh, don't get bent out of shape over this. Use it as an opportunity to share your faith and to share why you believe what you believe. There'll be lots of discussion about it. Someone may look at you and say, you're a Christian. What do you think about this? Well, I can tell you what the Word of God says. I can tell you why I think God's Word says this. And I happen to believe that God's Word is true. I happen to believe that truth can't be changed. I mean, if it was true 100 years ago, it should be true 100 years from now. You could extrapolate it out, and if everybody were homosexual, there'd be no more children. I mean, God has a design, and I believe in order, and I believe in purpose, and that's what we believe God's design and God's purpose is. And so, anyway, it doesn't matter what the Supreme Court says. Use it as an opportunity. Use it as a wake-up call. Do you hear the bell ringing? God is saying... Church in America, wake up. Wake up. You, <laughs> this, is, this is a big to-do to do here. 
your values are eroding away in front of you. And you know what? We better be busy about living the Christian life first and foremost and about digging into God's word and about being salt and about being light and about being useful for the kingdom of God. To be even keeled, not get too high, not get too low, but just be steady. Just be steady and just keep sharing the word and keep sharing the Lord and keep being a witness and keep being salt and keep being light and loving other people and not expecting them to act like they're Christians when they're not. Sometimes we're more known by what we hate than by what we love. Okay, so let's get busy. Opportunities abound. Have some discussions this week in love. In love. All right? That's my spiel on that. We're in... Oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> Thank you. Jonah chapter 1. Jonah chapter 1. Listen, the Bible is a book about the radical love of God for people who really don't deserve it. The Bible is a book about the radical love of God for people who do not deserve it. Adam and Eve sin, and they hide from God. What does he do? He goes and finds them. If he hadn't have done that, they would still be hiding in the garden somewhere. First two brothers, Cain kills Abel. God goes after Cain. Right? God sends messengers to Sodom and Gomorrah to go and get Lot. And then there's the greatest reconnaissance mission of all time. The greatest of all time is me. Is when God opened up my eyes so that I could see the reality of who Jesus really is. Unbelievable. He rescued me from sin and death and hell and the grave. That's why we grieve but we don't grieve as those with no hope. We have hope. And he saved me from myself. And that's an ongoing process as well. And so the main theme of the book of Jonah is the radical love of God for people who do not deserve it. <laughs> it's not about Jonah, folks. This book is not about Jonah. Listen, it is, it is not about Nineveh. And it's not even about a big fish. Okay? So I want you to understand that, all right? So this morning, if you are not a follower of Jesus, maybe you have some religious background, maybe you don't, understand this. This whole book is about God's love for you wherever you are in your life right now. That's what it's all about. That's what it culminates. That's how it began, and that's what it culminates in. So um, Nineveh, and the call to Nineveh. Jonah chapter 1 verse 1 and 2 says this. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of, son of Amiti, Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. All right. A little bit about Nineveh. It is called a great city four times in the Bible. It was one of the greatest cities in the ancient world. Um, the capital of the mightiest monarchy in the civilized world at its time. It's renowned, was renowned for its wealth and its art. Uh, chapter 3, verse 3 says it was a three-day walk to get through Nineveh. One day, it's somewhere around 20 to 30 miles. Multiply that by three. This is an ancient walled city. This is magnificent. There are some ancient authorities that say that it was even bigger than Babylon was. Walls 100 foot high. Okay, walls 100 foot high. Okay, uh, 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 construction types, architect types. How tall are these walls right here to the black uh, ceiling? Give me a guess. How many? 14 feet? F 40 feet? From here to there. Somewhere between 14 and 45 feet. <laughs> anyway, you get the point, okay? Uh, it's, multiply that by a couple, 100 feet high. 100 feet high, okay? Broad enough for three chariots to ride side by side, all right? 
1,500 towers along the wall of the, of the, of the, of the city. Verse 411, the Amplified Bible says this, that there were 120,000 yet old enough to know their right hand from their left. Uh, uh, most people believe that means that there were maybe young people who, who really couldn't discern good from evil. 120,000. Okay, so population of Nineveh could have been somewhere around half a million to 600,000 people. That's a ton of people for an ancient city. This was the, the New York or the London uh, uh, or, you know, whatever city you want to put in. This was the, 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 the major city of its day. So it was a great city. Everybody say great city. Okay, and it was a wicked city. All right. Nahum, who ministered after Jonah, preached against Nineveh. He said it was a bloody city full of lies and robbery in Nahum 3.12. Its brutality made other nations shudder. If ISIS had an entire city of a half a million people, this would be it. It would be absolutely brutal. And so Jonah is a prophet. And he is a servant, and he's called to serve the Lord by going to minister the message that God would put on his heart to these people. Let's get back to God, because he is, after all, the main source and the main figure in this book. It doesn't say anything specifically about him other than that he commissioned Jonah to go to Nineveh. It does tell us that the wickedness of Nineveh had come up to him, okay? Now, um, we understand this about a holy God, that he cannot tolerate evil, and that there comes a point in a nation where its evil comes up to him, and then he deals with that king or that government or that evil nation. Uh, It's easy to think that Evil is on an all-out sprint, and God won't intervene. Like it's so out of control, not even God can step in, and he can at any moment, and he does as he chooses to. Proverbs 21.1 says, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord like the rivers of water, and he turns them wherever he wishes. God reserves the right to turn the heart of any king or any monarch or any president any way that he wants to because he's God. And he's sovereign. Okay? Um, His justice is on display. He says, arise, go, and cry out against the city. Did I mention that this was a great city? And that it's a wicked city. This is not the place you want to go and minister. Unless you're called by God. And he is. A holy God judges sin. He's a patient God. And he has a timing involved. And he gives ample opportunity for repentance, to change, to turn. How many of you would say that you experienced God's patience in your life, but then there became a time where God said, okay, that's enough, and he stepped in? How many, just a show of hands, I want to know if it's just only me. I thought, oh, look at that. Look at hands all over the place. Okay, how many of you are, are lying and not raising your hand? Would you raise your hand? Oh, your brother in the back. Thank you. I, I knew there was at least one. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He says, go and preach the message I tell you. And he preached about sin and predicted judgment in 40 days. Turns out that judgment was not the purpose of the message. Church, God destroying Nineveh was not the purpose of Jonah going. I don't know about you, but I like it when Nineveh gets judged. Something within me feels justified, good, right, and maybe very wrong too. Don't you have your own Ninevite group that you wish God would judge? Don't you have your own nation and people and places that you wish God would do something? Yeah, I do. I do. And God does do that. And government has a responsibility to judge righteously. And God will step in if he has to. 
But in this particular case, the purpose of the message was not judgment. It was so that the people would be given an opportunity to turn and believe that God would save them. And God saves because he is merciful and gracious. And he extends the invitation of grace and mercy to everyone. 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 Including me and including you. His grace is enough to save sinners. Even serious sinners. You've heard this, right? Oh, if I came to your church, the roof would cave in. I'm like, brother, our roof has been tried and tested by some pretty good sinners. And it still stands. Still stands. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't, don't boast in how bad you are. Because a person sitting next to you could be way better than, or they used to be way better than how bad you think you are. You ain't that bad. Maybe you are, but not for God. You know the three greatest men of the Bible were murderers? Moses, King David, and Paul the Apostle. Do you know they were murderers? Arguably, the three greatest men of the Bible were murderers. So no matter how serious your sin, God stands ready to forgive. <clears throat> your level of sin isn't the issue, but your willingness to be forgiven and to humble yourself before God is the issue. Okay? All right. This was Jonah's <clears throat> appointment with destiny. Okay? It, it's a moment of beckoning <clears throat> where an all-powerful God is about to do something. And, he, and, he, and he, he finds a man who's a prophet and he calls on him and he says, I'm going to use you to do something. This is, this is an amazing, it's a holy invitation. What Jonah does next would determine the course of the rest of his life. You ever had a God appointment? You ever had a time where God tapped you on the shoulder? Where uh, uh, a holy moment, a moment of beckoning where the all-powerful, almighty God is up to something. He goes, wait, wait, time out, time out. Before we do this, I'm going to appoint him to go do it. No, tap her on the shoulder. No, let's use these people. Let's use this family right here. No, no, wait, we, we could do it all by ourselves. Of course, we don't need them, but we want them to participate. So we're going to take this group of people right here. We're going to send them. So send the message out. They're going to hear it through the word, through prayer. They may hear it audibly. They're going to hear it in their heart. It's going to be something that we're up to, and we're going to invite them to join us. And it'll be the greatest ride of their life. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee. And he saw two brothers, Simon and Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. They had no idea what was about to happen in their life. It says, and immediately they left their nets and followed him. Oh, man, what if they would have held on to their nets? Are you serious? I mean, who are you? Rabbi? Job, you know, fishermen, right? Listen, this is all I've known. I've been a fisherman all my life. You mean, just what do you want me to do? Just leave? What about my dad and the whole family business? I have responsibility here. I just can't drop everything and follow you. That's not what they said. Verse 21, going from there, he saw two brothers, John, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, also known as the sons of thunder. Because they tried to call down fire on the Samaritans. Remember that? Jesus, these people are rejecting your message. You want us to call down fire on them? I mean, you know, we'll torch them right now, bro. Uh, JC, you know, we got this. We got this. Well, just give us the word, man. You know, James and John, boom, boom, bang, man. We can call down fire right now. Torch them. Jesus looked at him and said, <laughs> you don't even know what kind of spirit you're from. Like, like you don't even, you, you have this, like, like, it's almost like Jesus said, okay, who are you and, and, and where did you come from? You don't even, you don't even know. 
You don't even know the heart that you have that would say something like that. Well, I didn't come to bring that kind of destruction, but I came to bring life. Oh, James and John, here's what happens. He says, he called them and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. You understand the culture behind that? To leave your, your nets is one thing. To leave your boat is a whole nother thing. That's the equivalent of, being a, of, of having a food truck and leaving it behind to follow Jesus. Parked on the strip somewhere. I'm out of here. I'm going to go follow the Lord. Okay? Your whole, their whole livelihood. But the cultural aspect of leaving their father on earth. Whoa. What? They didn't even ask him. Woo. Huge. So how do you respond when God calls you? <clears throat> well, first you have to respond to his call. Not rules, not regulations, not religion, but a person, Jesus Christ. He calls us to intimacy and fellowship and relationship. He calls us to, to join him in a personal way. Not a, a lot of people try to join God in a religious way and they never find him because religion will keep you from relationship. Oh, but he, 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 we have to respond to his call to intimacy. And when you receive a word that you know is from him, the disciples left their nets immediately, and the rest is his story. What if, like the rich young ruler, they turned from him and went back to what was most familiar? Here's another thought. I thought, I, I, first of all, no, no, no matter how serious your sin is, God stands ready to forgive. But secondly, God reserves the right to change your assignment at any time. You know that? Do you realize God reserves the right to change your assignment at any time? I've been doing this ministry for 20 years, Lord, while I'm calling you something else. Lord, I've been doing this ministry for 20 years. Come on now. I don't know. I'm calling you to something else. Lord, I've been doing this ministry for 20 years. I just can't turn and walk and lead. Lord, ain't no way. God reserves the right to do that. And God reserves the right to call us to hard places and hard faces. Years ago, a buddy of mine told me about a ministry opportunity. There's a church over here, Richie, that's looking for a sports ministry missions guy. Sports ministry missions. They want to take sports ministry to a whole nother level in the Pacific Rim. Pastor asked me if I knew anybody. I thought about you. Would you pray about it and think about it? And I thought, wow. First of all, that's a hard thing because you're my best friend and I'd be near you. Second of all, it's a hard thing because that's ministry in Hawaii. That's tough. Sometimes God calls you to Hawaii. Sometimes he calls you to Nineveh. But it's all in the call. He reserves the right to call us to hard places and hard faces. <clears throat> Jesus, quoting out of Isaiah, says, Matthew chapter 13, For the hearts of these people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing. Their eyes ha they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Sometimes God calls you to people who can't see and can't hear spiritually. Because God reserves the right to change your assignment at any time and to send you to places that are hard places and people that have hard faces and the church said oh come on now <laughs> um, listen God's commission is in chapter 1 verse 3 of Jonah it says but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord so he went down to Joppa found a ship which was going to Tarshish prayed the fair and went down to it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord God is merciful and he wants us to communicate his mercy to others the local church is the hope of the world look at somebody look at the person next to you tell them the local church is the hope of the world do that the local church is the hope of the world of course Jesus is the hope of the world but he wants to work through his church 
He told this man to go to Nineveh. Instead, he goes 75 miles southwest to Joppa, then heads to Tarshish in southern Spain. <laughs> yeah, who wouldn't want to go to Spain? Hello. So, Jonah, what brought you to Spain? Weather? Um, I don't know, just kind of... Um, aren't you a prophet? Yeah, yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, I've been known to prophesy. Yeah, okay. Okay, well, good. So, you're going to start a ministry here in, in, in Tarshish? Well... I don't know. I'm not sure yet. Haven't really heard from the Lord. But God called you to Tarshish? What, um, um, well, um, I don't know. <laughs> you know, the weather's nice. The people are fun. Can't go wrong with Spain, right? Uh, I just kind of ended up here and God opened the door. I mean, I found the ship and I had the money. It's going in the wrong direction. And it says he's fleeing from the presence of the Lord. He's trying to get as far as possible from the literal presence of God. Mm, the temple was in the southern kingdom. He lived in the north. There's already a little bit of a distance between the actual presence of God. So I don't think that's it. Was he resigning as a prophet to stay in his presence meant to be re ready and willing to serve and be sent by him? So he's fleeing from being ready and willing to serve and be sent by him. That, that's what he's doing. There's an example in Luke chapter 1 verse 19 where the angel answers and says to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. Is he afraid, Jonah? Does he hate? Is he prejudiced? Here's the thing, guys. If you want to run from God, he will let you. If you want to run from God, he will let you. For a season. He may even make it easier for you to run. But every time we rise up to flee from God, we end up going down. Would you notice the words in verse 3? But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, so he went down to Joppa. I think those two words are significant. Every time we rise up to flee from God, we end up going down. <sighs> and so, <clears throat> I would submit to you that Jonah is entering into a season of wasting his time and his money and everybody else's time. I will submit to you that Jonah is in a season of wasting his time and his money and everybody else's time. There's nothing good going to come out of this. Nothing. He can make it all the way to Tarshish. There'll be nothing. Nothing. That nothing will happen. Nothing. Whatever happened to Jonah? I don't know, man. Last I heard, he was headed to Tarshish. Well, what happened there? Oh, no, I ain't heard from him since. <laughs> I'll tell you what happened. Nothing. Not one good thing. And so these experienced so, uh, 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 sailors are headed into a storm. It says in verse 4 and 5, but the storm um, uh, uh, okay, verse 4 uh, well, I'll read it out of this translation. And the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea causing a violent storm that th threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate soldiers shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep in the hold. By the way, the message of this morning's, uh, this, the title of this morning's message is, Get Up and Call on Your God. Get up and call on your God. So, verse 6, so the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this? Ooh, is that a word for the church? <laughs> oh, oh. Here's a man who doesn't know God going to the man who knows God and saying, what are you doing sleeping? Then he shouted, get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. What a vivid picture as the sailors are fighting to save their lives and the man of God is asleep in the, in the hold. It's a violent storm. These are seasoned, uh, seasoned sailors and, and, and they're, they're, they're on emergency alert and due to sleeping. I think... I think because when you go opposite of what God has, that at least if you can get sleep, you don't have to think about it, I, I think. I think you get groggy and you want to sleep a lot because you, you, know, you turn the music up loud, you, 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 you get a lot of sleep because you don't want to think about it. I, I submit that to you. Well, they cast lots to find out who's to blame for this. Casting of lots was one of the ways to determine God's will in the Old Testament. 
Um, and this was what they were doing, and God honored it. <laughs> Sometimes God honors the prayers of the unrighteous if it's for a righteous cause. <laughs> So God reserves the right to answer prayers, whether that person knows him or whether it comes from someone who doesn't know him. These people are fighting for their lives. Jonah won't pray to his God, so they do. <laughs> and they cast lots and say, okay, who's to blame for this? It says in verse 8, why has this awful storm come upon us? They demanded, who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What's your nationality? Because the lot fell to Jonah. Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. That's interesting that he said that. See the storm out here? Well, the God that I worship, he, he, this is his sea. This, so, wait a minute, time out, man. If your God made the seas, why are you not praying to him to stop this madness? If the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and this nation was birthed on Christian principles... Someone might say to the church, why are you not? Mm. Verse 10, the sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them he was running from the Lord. Well, at least he's an honest prophet. So what are you doing on this ship? Well, actually, I'm fleeing from the presence of God. Come again? <laughs> okay. And maybe if they don't know the real true God, they would think, well, that makes sense because our gods are idols. And if you want to flee from their presence, you just go into the next room <laughs> or go as far as you can. So maybe they thought that made sense. And they say, well, why did you do it? They groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to stop this storm? Wow. <clears throat> well, he tells them, at least he's honest. Throw me into the sea. And it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is my fault. Instead, the sailors rowed even harder to get the ship to the land. I mean, these are reasonable men, I guess. And they're like, dude, we're not going to just toss you overboard. You're going to die out in that sea. We can't do that. We don't want to live with the fact that we just chucked you overboard and watched you die in front of us. That's what they're, they're thinking. And so, so they start rowing harder. And guess what? The harder they row, the harder the storm gets. Oh, 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 oh my gosh. They are giving it everything they've got. And guess what? It's getting worse and worse and worse until now they realize now we're going to die. Well, what are we going to do? We don't know him. And he's already paid the fare. <laughs> we never told him we'd take him all the way. We told him he could get on the ship. And at this point, we're all going to die. Wow. So, listen to their prayer. Verse 14, they cried out to the Lord. Jonah's God. Oh Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin and don't hold us responsible for his death. Oh Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Is that awesome? These men have never talked to the God of the universe and they're pleading with him. This is amazing. Okay, verse 15, then the soldiers picked up Jonah and threw him into the raging sea and the storm stopped at once. Wow. At once. Put yourself in the, in the sailor's shoes or sandals or maybe they don't even have shoes on. And, and you're, you're, you've, you're exhausted. You think you're going to die. This is what he said to do. This is his God, and he's the one who caused this storm. What do we got to lose? And you take Jonah, and I wonder if they did the old heave-ho, hey, hey, or just like took him and pushed him. I don't know how, what it looked like. But, but the minute that Jonah hit the water, the water is still. And you go, oh, what? Okay, are you a believer at this point? Because the fake gods can't do this. Gosh, did you see that? Look at the water. It's amazing. 
The storm stopped at once. And it says the sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Now the Lord had arranged a great fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Anyway, we'll get to that. (laughs) So you're, toss him over, whoosh. Is that a whale? Whoa, it just ate the dude or swallowed him or whatever. And they're like, oh, God Almighty, God of the heavens and the earth, maker of the big fish and, and calmer, calmer of, wait, say some more, calmer of the waters and the seas. Uh, man, you're awesome, man. I mean, uh, Wow. Is the water still calm? Yep. Oh, um, what did he say his name was? Lord God? What was it? Uh, Lord God Almighty. Yeah, that was it. Uh, God Almighty. Just keep the waters calm. And we pray for that poor guy who just got swallowed by a whale or a fish. Uh, I don't know. God, take care of him somehow. But hey, it ain't on us, right? Just we cool, right? Okay, okay. Just want to make sure. <laughs> oh, if it wasn't so serious, we'd be crying instead of laughing. But we have to laugh. Oh, guys. Sometimes God sends storms into our lives to align us with him. Sometimes. Sometimes it's the enemy. Sometimes it's our own doing. You know, we blame the devil, right? Man, the devil is making me do this. No, he's not. You're being stupid. It's you, man. Don't blame the devil. The devil's like, hey, I ain't got nothing to do with it. And I'm telling the truth this time. I mean, I know I'm, I'm native language is lying, but seriously, I wasn't nowhere around. He got his own self into that mess. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know things are bad when you blame Satan for something he had nothing to do with. He's the accuser of the brother, and we accuse him. And he says, don't accuse me. (laughs) I don't know. Sometimes God sends storms into our lives to align us with him. Is that amazing? Is that amazing? To bring us back to the place that he wants us to be. That's powerful. That's powerful. I want to just conclude with a few words. God reserves the right to use our circumstances to reach others for himself. God reserves the right to use our circumstance to use our circumstances to reach others for himself. On the worst day of his life, I presume, doesn't say that. I mean, I'm saying that's the worst day of my life. I'm in a storm and get thrown overboard and get swallowed by a fish. That's the worst day of my life. I'm saying, I mean, you, maybe you have a, uh, something that you could say, that ain't nothing, brother. I mean, I was, okay, maybe, but I'm saying... I'm in the belly of a fish, and I'm alive, <laughs> and I'm thinking, and I'm breathing somehow. Um, that's a bad day at the office. How'd it go today, honey? Well, got thrown overboard in a storm and swallowed by a big fish. Okay. You going in tomorrow? Probably not. Probably not. That's a bad day. But on the worst day of his life, Jonah, Jonah's life is used by God to bring salvation to others. God is merciful. God is kind. God can use any circumstance he wants to reach you and reach me. Funny, this chapter is about the discipline. This chapter is about the discipline of the Lord, and yet once again it turns to the grace of God as he saves the sailors. What a lesson to Jonah, because Jonah's going to need this lesson when he gets when he hits the shores. Not only that, God saves Jonah, right? Jonah's going to die. He's going to be lost at sea if God doesn't do something. Had that fish not come and scooped him up, he would have been lost at sea and he would have died out there. And through a very ingenious route, Jonah is on his way to Nineveh to go and do that which God called him to do. That's all I got. (laughs) That's it. I think you can see some similarities between where we are as a nation, 
the result of our Supreme Court's decision on Friday and, and, and this chapter right here. Do you see some similarities? Uh, sometimes we hate not just the belief system or the lifestyle, but we hate the people. I assure you that Jonah hated the Ninevites, rightly so, but God loved them. And he was God's choice to go and bring the message. He would not have volunteered for that because sometimes God reserves the right to send us to hard places and hard faces. And that's not easy. Sometimes God sends us to places where we die. And that's happening, by the way, all over the world. So we pray that the Holy Spirit will, <clears throat> will minister his grace and his mercy to you today. And that you would not see the God of the Bible as a God who swallowed up, a, had a whale or a fish swallow up a man, but you see him as a God who loves and cares and who has a heart to save even the hardest of people and his own people too, the prophet. Amen? Wow. Father God, we are... Um, We're so grateful for what we've already experienced today. For the testimony of, of this precious couple that you brought together. And the endurance to wait on you. And by your word as well, God, that speaks to our heart and gently draws us close to you. So, Lord, may your word challenge us this morning. May it draw us near to you. And may we consider, may we consider that flow of relationship with you. May we look back at our lives, Lord, and see circumstances and situations that you brought that ultimately were designed to bring us to you. And may we not spurn that, Lord, because it doesn't have to be that way, but sometimes you'll use that. You can use prosperity to bring us to you. You can use poverty to bring us to you. But your goal is to bring us to you. And, Lord, we want to walk out of here closer to you, not further away. So we receive that word now, seal it in our hearts, in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen, amen. Uh, our prayer team is going to make their way up. If you guys need prayer for anything at all, please uh, uh, come on up and receive it. And um, um, have a great week in, in, in the Lord. In the power of God, for the kingdom of God, we say.